Ephesians, the third chapter, praise God. Ephesians chapter 3. Had a very important afternoon of ministry down at the foundry uh, today. And um, I don't know how many of you have uh, met our friends, friends of this house, Teresa and Buell Moore. Uh, They usually sit right back over here in that section on the second Sunday morning of every month. Um, They have been traveling from Knoxville, Tennessee on the second Sunday of every month now for two and a half years. And um, they have gone from being ministered to to being uh, very effective ministers. And um, we started something at the Foundry on Sunday afternoons called FIRST, and that's an acronym. It stands for Families in Recovery Seeking Truth. And, of course, when we started it, it was on the first Sunday of the month, but um, it got moved to the second Sunday of the month. But um, Buell and Teresa have started a first group in their hometown there in Knoxville and um, in their, their local church. And um, it's just amazing to see how God's working uh, in and through them and in their families. And so, um, amen. Give him a shout out. He told me he couldn't wait to get home and listen to tonight's message. So, um, anyway, Buell, Teresa, your labor of love and sacrifice doesn't go unnoticed. And, and if you guys haven't had a chance to meet them yet, next, uh, second Sunday in October, be sure and shake their hands and hug their necks. There's a like precious fate there, and we are so blessed to call them friends. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, and let's begin at verse number 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from which the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church, that's you and me, right? To Him be glory in the body of Christ, the church which is His body, by Christ Jesus, to all generations. Paul wrote this many generations ago, but he was talking about you and me, amen? May there be glory in the body of Christ, the church which is His body, by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever, amen. There's a lot of preaching that we could do from those verses. I read them tonight as a backdrop for the things that we're talking about today. And today we're talking about desires and expectations. But as we said this morning, there's a lot of different directions you could go with that. I'm specifically talking about the desires and expectations that your Creator Father, your Creator God has for you. What He desires for you what He desires with you, and what He desires in you. The passages that we read, I guess it was, what, seven or eight verses, they come after the mention of this plan that began before the foundations of the world and continues to be unfolded by the church. And we've said that that plan is an eternal, 
elaborate and audacious plan birthed in the heart of God to increase himself. We're going we're gonna to talk about this more in the days ahead, but to increase himself and expand his glory by creating a being comparable to and compatible with himself. That would be me and you. And then give that being a choice to love him and be one with him. Now, the Lord showed me something a, a little while ago, and I want to just pass that along before we go any further tonight. Have you ever, like, used this expression or this representation, or maybe if you've never used it, you've seen someone else use it, to describe they're being close to another person. So let's say that I'm using this as an example for uh, me and my brother Matthew. And to try to communicate to someone that, that, that we are close, watch me now, are you ready? If you're, watching, if you're listening and not watching by recording, um, I'm holding up my index finger and my middle finger as close as I can press them together and we would say, man, me and Matthew are like this. Right? You ever, are you familiar with that expression? Man, we, we, are, we are just like this. I mean, we are, we are, meaning what? Close, close. Okay? Now, if, if you know, you don't, there's nobody going to come pull you over like the church police tonight if you don't do this. But just, um, <clears throat> if you would tonight, let's, let's get the two fingers together like this, okay? All right, you just, amen. You're not humoring me, you're humoring the Holy Spirit. He wants to show you something. Very powerful, very powerful, okay? And I, I want you to hold it up out in front of you so you can see. And I, I want you to say, me and God, we are just like this. Okay? Close. Me and God, we're just like this. Matter of fact, if you believe it, just kind of show somebody next to you. Say, man, me and God, we're, we're just like this. I mean, just like this. Except for that's wrong. Look at my brother right there. You ready? Me and God, come on now, get your finger up. Me and God, we're not like this. We're like this. We're one. We're one. Jesus has made us one with the Father. It's not just that we're close with Him. We're in Him. We're in Him. Matter of fact, the Lord, when I say a vision or a dream, sometimes people use those words like they're trying to impress somebody. So let me just say it this way. Whatever it was, in you know, a picture in my mind, an imagination, if you, if you will, a divinely inspired imagination. The Father showed me this one day. I, I was praying, and, 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 and here is the image in my mind. I was going to hug Him, and when I went to hug Him, I just disappeared into Him. I just disappeared into Him. Where He was standing and I was standing, there was no longer... He and I standing there, it was just Him standing there, and I, I was brought into Him. I became 
one with Him. I, I was folded in to Him. Amen? Come on, now let's do it again. Me, me and God. We just like this right here. One. We're one. You're one with Him. You're one with Him. Amen. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we asked a question this morning, and it's kind of, I guess, could maybe be a little sensitive of a, of a question, but we asked a question. It said, have you ever been in a relationship with someone who wanted more from the relationship than you wanted? Maybe uh, it could be something romantic or something. Maybe you had feelings for somebody. They didn't have the same feelings for you. Maybe you had desires for them that they didn't have for you. Or have you ever been in a relationship where the expectations in that relationship were not the same. In other words, you had different expectations um, than, uh, than the other party. That could be a business relationship, a working relationship, a personal relationship. But nonetheless, it's just you didn't share the same expectations. And the reason I'm saying that this evening is because Father desires and expects far more from a relationship with you than, than has ever entered your wildest imaginations. And I'm not telling you that tonight to condemn you. And I'm not telling you that just to speak of duty, service, sacrifice, and obedience. But when I say He desires and expects far more from a relationship with you than has ever entered your wildest imagination, I'm talking about things like oneness, intimacy, partnership, fellowship, mutual blessing, and if you dare to go there with me, even mutual glory. We said this morning that Father wants more for you, not just more from you. He wants more with you, not just more of you. And He wants to put more in you and not just get more out of you. Amen. Now, God created you with the desire and expectation of loving you, giving Himself to you, being one with you, and filling you with His fullness by literally sharing all that He is and all that He has with you. This is the love of God for you and for me. Now, we spent the last couple of weeks talking about making room in our hearts, making room in our thinking for God to do something better or bigger or different inside of us. In other words, He's desiring to add some things to our lives, but our hearts are already so full of our own affections that there's no room for Him inside of us to do the work that needs to be done. And so the answer then is for us to shift our affections. The answer then is for us to make room in our tent for God to come and do more in us and do more through us and do more for us than He ever has in the past. Now, the Scriptures that we read tonight speak of us being strengthened with might through God's Spirit in the inner man. And then He talks about God doing this according to the power that works in us. What he's talking about here, my friend, is something that goes beyond your ability to comprehend, much less do on your own. He's talking about something here, again, that goes beyond your wildest imaginations, not to mention your capacity to accomplish or pull off without him. I'm talking about what He desires to have with you, what He expects. And we said this morning, again, just to be a, a brief review, that He created you the way He created you, comparable to Him, compatible with Him, because He expected to be one with you. That was the expectation, and He created you in light of that 
expectancy. Now, there are some things here, praise God, that are a mystery. And Paul referred to this whole package, if you will, as the fellowship of the mystery. And when we are talking about something that is a mystery, again, we're talking about something that goes beyond our ability to, um, to rationalize. It goes beyond our ability to figure out. Uh, apart from the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, strengthening you and revealing, imparting this truth and this understanding to you. It's, it's as if something is awakened on the inside of you. An understanding that comes not from the outside in, but that comes from the inside out. Could I just simplify it by saying it this way? We're talking about something really big here. We're talking about something really big here. We're talking about a plan that was hidden in God for all of eternity past. We're talking about something so big that creation itself, time and space themselves exist to provide a platform for this plan to unfold. We're talking about something big here. And you and me, we are slap dab in the middle of all of this as far as God is concerned. Do you realize if there was no humanity on planet Earth, there would be no reason for planet Earth? This Earth and the, and the galaxy and the solar system and galaxy and universe even that, that contains it was all created to put this being who God created, comparable to, compatible with Him, on this earth, providing a place for us, but also providing a proving ground and a training ground for us. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 55. There's a lot that we could comment on from Ephesians 3. We'll come back to that. But I want to push ahead tonight. Isaiah chapter 55, and let's begin at verse number 8. Isaiah 55 and verse 8, God speaking, He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, we know that God is smart. And it's kind of a no-brainer to say that God is smarter than us. And thank God He is. That means He has answers that we don't have, but He's, of course, our helper. He, he wants to help us. And so, you may not know the answer tonight, but God knows the answer. But he's not just talking here about his thoughts being higher than our thoughts to communicate in a poetic way that he's smarter than you. What he's saying is that he thinks on a different level than you and me. He has a different perspective than we have. Now, some people read this passage and they, they use it almost as an excuse to say things, you know, crazy things like, well, you never know what God's going to do. That's not true. He told us what He's going to do. He wrote, it, he wrote it down, put it in writing for us. All right? So God is not diagnosing a problem here so much as He is 
as, as he is trying to explain to us that he thinks on a higher level, but he has communicated his thoughts to us through his word. He has revealed his higher level of thinking, his different perspective on things to us through his word. I guess because I have my friend Kelly on my mind and, and his beautiful children. And, and, um, but the Bible says that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of, of his saints. Well, you've got to have a completely different perspective on this than we have to call something like that precious. Are, are you following what I'm saying? It's because, again, we, we see it from the perspective of, of what someone is leaving behind. And we don't fully understand what someone just stepped into. We only see what they stepped away from, not what they stepped into. And then we have this understanding of life as, as only basically being 80 to 120 years, what have you, on planet Earth. We don't have the eternal perspective that provides this life is but a vapor. You know, we say, well, he was only in his, in his early 50s. You know, he, he had 30 or 40 more years of life left. But yes, and, and I'm not trying to just put some kind of religious spin on this, but heaven's perspective on that is it was just a portion of a vapor. Amen. So when he says that God thinks on a, on a different level, on a higher level, the sweet spot of life is when we through the Holy Spirit being strengthened with my, by God's Spirit in the inner man, where by the Word of God, the Holy Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, we're able to see things, if not in full, at least in part the way God sees them. That we have His understanding, His perspective on these things. That, the title of last Sunday night's sermon was uh, Thinking from Another World, Thoughts from Another World. And of course, we know that God's thoughts come from His world, but we can have His thoughts in our hearts and in our minds. So God's thinking is not just a little bit above ours, not just barely above ours, but far above. He didn't say that, that God's thinking was as higher, higher than ours like an oak tree is higher than the earth. He said it's as, as vast a difference as the heavens are higher than the earth. So we could say it's miles above. In other words, a great distance between how we think and how He thinks, how He sees things and how we see things. Remember now what Ephesians 3 and 20 says. Let's go back there right quick. I'll put it up on the screen. Just stay where you are. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, that's a really important verse for a lot of reasons. Because God is saying, listen, I think miles above you, but I'm trying to do you not according to this world's understanding or perspective. I'm trying to work in your life according to my high-level thinking. I'm trying to do in you according to what I think and according to the way I see things, not according to the way you think and according to the way you see things. 
Let me say that another way. Aren't you glad we are not limited to our own best thinking? Aren't you glad that we can actually rise above what our thinking is able to carry us to, amen, if we will set our thinking aside and allow God to fill us with His? I'm going to say it yet a third way. You cannot rise above your thinking because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But if that's true, and it is, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, then if we can think God's thoughts in our hearts, then we can experience in our life reality what God is experiencing in heaven. And you say, Pastor Mark, that sounds like heresy. Read your Bible. Jesus taught us to pray for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. So he's talking about in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Basically, let me say it this way. You can apply this to a lot of different things. For instance, righteousness. That's one we go to a lot around here. Money. We've already received an offering, so I'm not trying to take up another one. Just hear me, though. Heaven has a different perspective on money than we have. See, because we understand limited resources, we think that if God blesses us, that's going to somehow not leave enough for somebody else to be blessed. You cannot impoverish God. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? He, he, could, he could make every person in this room a multimillionaire tonight and still have plenty of resources for everybody else. Somebody say, be it unto me according to your word. Amen. Praise God. So, because God thinks far above our thoughts, there is a huge gap between what He desires and expects from a relationship with us and what we desire and expect from a relationship with Him. Are we just getting somewhere right now? Are you, are you following this? I feel like some of you are... Did I, did I lose you somewhere in between all this other stuff? Because God's thinking is far above ours, there is a huge gap between what He desires and expects from a relationship with us and what we desire and expect from a relationship with Him. His desires and expectations for us are so far above ours that most people tend to dismiss them as impossible and accuse those who dare to preach about them as extreme, fanatical, or even worse, heresy. Me and God are just like that. Now, that does, see, that, that doesn't fit into traditional religious thinking. Are you hearing me tonight? That doesn't fit into uh, traditional religious thinking. Because traditional religious thinking is way down here. But God's thoughts are way up here. 
Now, because of traditional religious thinking, we barely desire much of a relationship with God at all. And our expectations of Him are limited at best. In spite of Jesus saying things like this, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you can ask My Father anything you desire and it will be done for you. But see, traditional religious thinking has us believing that we're just an old sinner saved by grace, that you know the, worst, the most we can ever ex- hope for is to make it into heaven by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin one day, and, and blah, 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 all this, all this thoughts and thinking. In other words, this, this concept that God wants to share Himself with you, that, that God wants to be one with you, that God wants to, 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 to mutually bless you and be, and be blessed by you, and, and you glorify Him and Him glorify you, you and you give glory to him and him give glory to you that you promote him and he promotes you that you exalt him and he exalts you that you bless him and he bless you that you prosper him and he prosper you there's folks raised in church 70 years old been to church every weekend in their life and hadn't heard such haven't heard such as that Because again, we have this bare-bones, minimalistic thinking about God and what's possible and what He desires and what He expects. Let me me try to give you another angle on this, right? You do realize that we tend to think that everybody looks at things the way we look at things. We tend to think that everybody else sees things the way we see them. You're growing as a person when you realize that not everybody looks at things the way you look at them. But listen to me, please. Because we tend to think that everybody else sees things the way we see them, we tend to think that God sees things the way we see them. My friend, He does not see things the way you see them. Thank you, Jesus. So what He desires and what He expects as far as a relationship with you, fellowship with you, is so far above where the traditional religious baseline thinking is. That most hear a message like the one we're preaching tonight and dismiss it as impossible. Accuse those who dare to preach it. Extreme, fanatical, or even heresy. I've already shared it with you once. I'm going to put Ephesians 3.20 back on the board. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I want to bring another verse alongside this one, and it's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I'll put it on the screen for you. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Notice again what this passage is communicating. It's very similar to the one in Ephesians 3 and 20. We see again this idea that God is not only able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think, 
but that it has not entered into the heart of man. In other words, and he, again, he's talking about your imaginations here, what you're able to, to imagine in your own heart. He says, eyes have never seen it, ears have never heard it told, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. All right, let me come down here with you for a minute. I don't know if it's the most popular Christian song ever, but it's got to be in the top three. And I'm talking about Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. You've heard that song, right? Amazing Grace. Do you realize how many people sing Amazing Grace but do not believe in a grace that is amazing? They sing about amazing grace, but, but the moment God's lavish, extravagant grace goes beyond what they're able to comprehend with their meat computer, they say there's no way God could be that good. There's no way that, that, that He could really love me that much. There's no way that He could have really done all of that for me. There's, there's no way that, that um, I've been saved to the uttermost. There's no way that I have eternal redemption. There's no way that I have an eternal covenant. There's no, right? Because again, it, it just seems, you know, again, incomprehensible. But yet we sing amazing grace, but what most people really believe in is rational grace. Grace that they can comprehend. Comprehensible grace. Aren't you glad that we have a God who loves to amaze us with His grace? Who loves to amaze us with His power? Who loves to amaze us with His thinking? Now this is the stretching part. And I don't mean stretching a set of notes to fill it in. I'm talking about where he's stretching us. He's, remember Isaiah 54, he says we've got, to, we've got to make our tent bigger. We've got to make our cords longer. And we've got to drive our stakes deeper. In other words, we've got to expand our thinking to accommodate something more than what we've experienced up until this point in our relationship with God. This is exactly what He's trying to do. This is exactly what He's trying to say to you. This is exactly how He's trying to get you to open up your heart to Him. Remember, His heart is wide open to you. If you're restricted, it's not because of Him. It's not because of the Apostle Paul. It's because of your own affections. You limit Him with small thinking. Me and God just like this. So there's a lot of folks, they, they, they can't comprehend that. There's no room in their thinking for that. Some folks, their thoughts are so filled with that traditional religious thinking that it rejects that, immediately rejects that thought that, that I've become one with God. Never mind what the Bible says. The verses that we've looked at tonight out of Ephesians 3.20, then again in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse uh, 9. Again, we could preach from these verses about a whole bunch of different subjects. Because the things that God has prepared for you both in this life and the life that is to come, it's, it's again, eyes haven't seen. Remember the Apostle Paul went to the third heaven and he saw some of those things, but, but, but he was forbidden to come back to the earth and talk about it. 
It's a surprise. It's a surprise. Pam and I were at Lakeland. I thought I'd messed up. There's uh, some folks that we met there, and, and um, we're having dinner one night, and um, it, it was her boyfriend that they were having a surprise birthday party for him yesterday. I thought I heard that right. Pam thought the surprise party was for her. And so I said something about next Saturday, and, the, and Pam gave me a little nudge under the table, like, easy. She thought I was fixing to spoil the surprise, right? The Apostle Paul saw some things in heaven that God has prepared for us that he doesn't want you to know about yet. He wants you to be amazed by it. He wants you to be wowed by it. He wants you to be so surprised and over the moon about it that he, for, he told Paul, you can't tell him. You can't tell him. Come on now. This is the God that we serve. This is the, am I the only person that loves to have a good surprise for somebody? This is the God that we serve. We've got to make room in our thinking for the desires and the expectations that He has as far as a relationship and fellowship with you and with me is concerned. So the verses, Ephesians 3.20, 1 Corinthians 2.9, these verses are often used to teach from the perspective of what belongs to you, what you've been given, what you can achieve, what you can receive, the power and authority that you have access to, what heaven will be like one day, and we could go on and on and on. I'm asking you tonight as we wind this message down to consider these verses in the light of only one thing. To consider what he's saying in light of only one thing, and that is the oneness with God for which you were created. I've said it several times today, I'm going to say it again. Father desires and expects far more from a relationship with you than has ever entered your wildest imagination. Now listen to me please. We must make room in our thinking, in our affections, and ultimately in our lives for the reason for our existence. For the reason for our existence. And that reason is the oneness with God He desires and expects for us, with us, and in us. Amen? Let me give you one last thing and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll pick it up here next Sunday. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Thank you, Jesus. It begins in verse 15. I'm not going to read every passage to you, but it was basically another feeble attempt 
to outwit Jesus and publicly embarrass Him? In verse 17, they said, Tell us therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. You thought that was a line out of a Hollywood movie there, didn't you? Show me the money. No, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, if you underline things in your Bible, underline verse 20, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. He said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. That word render we might recognize it best as being the part of a bigger word and we sang about it tonight. Surrender. Render, surrender. Okay? That word render means give to Caesar what Caesar desires, what Caesar expects, and what Caesar demands. But give to God what God desires, what God expects and what God demands. Now I'm going to have to teach you about that word demand there because that's a strong word. Let me give you a hint, okay? A Corvette demands to be driven differently than a four-wheel drive. This word demands means what the thing calls for. Yes? You follow me? All right, so tonight when you get home, or there's, there's one in the restroom and there's one in the front foyer if you don't want to wait till you get home. But at some time tonight, I want you to stand in front of a mirror. I want you to go two fingers and then shake your head and do one and smile real big for the mirror, Okay. And then I want you to take that finger and I want you to point at yourself in that mirror and I want you to ask yourself this question. Whose image and inscription are you? Whose image and inscription are you? When he held that coin up, it had an image of Caesar imprinted upon it. He says, that's got Caesar's image on it. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. But my friend, we do not bear Caesar's image. We bear the image and inscription of God. He has written, He has written upon our lives. He has written 
upon our hearts. We bear His image. We bear His inscription. Render to God, surrender to Him what He desires, what He expects, and what your creation in His image and likeness demands. Oneness with Him. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll sleep much better tonight getting that last part out of there. Thank you for letting me do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me, can I tell you a little secret? The Lord told me to talk about desires and expectations this morning before I knew what the word render meant. True story. Studied all the way through that whole thing and came to the word render and it, when it said render means desire and expectation and demand, I was like, confirmation. Amen? Amen? Father, good to us. We love you. Thank you for life and peace. Thank you for my brothers and sisters tonight. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you're helping us by your Holy Spirit expand our understanding, strengthen with might by your Spirit in our inner man, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, what is the breadth, what is the height, what is the depth, to know the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus that goes beyond our ability to comprehend any other way other than it being revealed by your Spirit, so that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine, may there be glory to you, Father, in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and everybody said amen shake somebody's hand hug somebody's neck love somebody in jesus